0: I hope that is the yearning of your heart that you yearn for the day when we will stand with Christ in glory. I want to make you aware of two, um, well, actually three aspects to an announcement that we made this morning. Uh, We will be having a business meeting following the evening service tomorrow uh, evening. And we're taking, not tomorrow. Sunday evening, next Sunday, May 12th, it's on my schedule here. Uh, We're taking action on three different items. Um, Two, our church membership care issues. Uh, One is that we are going to be recommending that Grant Bosch be removed from membership uh, as an erring brother. I would highly encourage you to all reach out to him and uh, seek to restore him. That is the goal of this process. The goal is not his removal. The goal is his restoration. Uh, Secondly, Dennis, um, we're going to recommend that he be put on inactive, and then thirdly, we're going to be acting on uh, whether or not to begin supporting the IRBC at $50 a month. So I want you to be aware of those things and uh, plan on being here next Sunday night for a meeting, not tomorrow night. All right, if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. We're going to be looking at a chorus of groanings this evening. And as we think about choruses, hopefully you're like me and you enjoy music and you enjoy listening to various singing groups. Whether it be the Faith Chorale or maybe you have a family tradition that you go to the uh, Faith Festival of Carols. Or maybe you have your favorite singing group that comes in town that I didn't mention and you like to go listen to them. But our chorus that we're listening to and that we have all around us is actually an inaudible chorus. There is no vocal music coming from this chorus, and yet there are three definite components to this chorus. The creation, that is the created order, the grass, the trees, the stones. The ability of the ground to give forth the seed that it should cries out under the curse because of the fall. We as believers also are seeing yearning and groaning for the day when we will be redeemed. And then in verses 26-27, through we won't look at those tonight, you actually see that the Holy Spirit is groaning along with the creation, us believers and the Holy Spirit all together groaning, yearning for something more than this life that is full of suffering. Another thing that we should understand about this this section that we've entered in Romans chapter 8 is that there are three significant truths that Paul is trying to communicate to the Romans. And the first one is the glory to come. And that's what we're going to look at today. In verses 26 and 27, you see the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps us. And then God is working all the suffering for our good. You've probably heard of that passage towards... The end of Romans 8, where all things work together for good to those who love God. So those are the three significant truths that should comfort us as we look at this section of Romans. And Paul is developing at this point the groaning that we experience. And he says, the groaning that we experience in this world full of suffering is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. And so the big idea is wait with patient eagerness for the coming glory. Paul wants us to see the coming glory, and as we see it, we should wait with patience. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, and then we'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. In verse 19, you see creation yearning. It continues with that theme. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And then at this point he turns and he's going to deal with the groaning that we have as believers. Verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our bodies for we were saved in this hope the hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance let's go to the lord in a word of prayer father we do thank you for your word we thank you for the truth that the coming glory is far superior to the momentary pains that we have today we pray that you would comfort and strengthen our hearts with these truths and in your name we pray amen Amen. paul begins with an assertion he just comes right out of the gate and he's going to tell us that our suffering is light in comparison to the coming glory and that's really the whole idea of verse 18 I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory with which, with which shall be revealed in us. He says, the sufferings that we face today, the sicknesses that we face, the financial difficulties that we face, the uh, family members who go through difficulties with their memory and old age, the Uh, Difficulties that we see in creation, just failing to provide and to flourish like it should. All of that, all the pains that we have, dim in light of God's coming glory, the coming glory that he has promised for us. And so one commentator put it this way, the present and visible can only be understood in the light of the future and invisible. We can't understand the sufferings that we go through in this life without understanding the ultimate culmination of God's glory. And we can allow the present sufferings to all but erase the future glory. We can get so caught up in the pain that we have from some sort of disease, or the pain that we have from conflicts with various relationships that we have, or conflicts with our coworkers, or conflicts with our supervisors, or whatever the pain is that you're going through, we can get so caught up in it that we lose sight of the eternal glory of God. And Paul has this as a theme that he develops over and over again. If you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter four he's going to develop this same type of idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through chapter 5, verse 4. And he's going to ultimately get us to the same conclusion. These sufferings that we have right now are not ultimate. They're actually very small in comparison with what we have promised to us as believers. Chapter 4, verse 16 of 2 Corinthians, Therefore, we do not lose heart, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this house, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life." It's interesting, he's comparing what we're going through right now as light, and what's coming as being heavy. We can look at something and think, my word, that is truly heavy. You may look at somebody as you're going into the grocery store and be like, wow, they are truly big. You may look at me and think, wow, he is truly big but if we got somebody that was from my 600 pound life and put them right up next to me you probably go he's light in comparison to that right okay and that's what paul's saying is we lose our focus and we get so focused on what we are seeing that we lose sight of the bigger picture and we fail to see god's eternal plan And so Paul comes right out and he says, this is momentary. Something is eternal. Look towards the eternal. The future glory is far better. Then after that, Paul moves in and he begins to talk about this chorus of groanings. And we see the first musician, if you would, is creation. And we should not understand creation here to refer to unbelievers. Creation here does not refer to unbelievers. You may say, well, how do you know that? Let's read the text again. Chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, because of him who subjected it in hope. Unbelievers have no hope in their suffering. There is no hope for them. Keep reading, though, and it becomes even more evident. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. He says that creation is going to be liberated. Unbelievers, unless they come to Christ, are not liberated. And the suffering of this life is as good as it gets. It's not as bad as it gets. It's as good as it gets here. And then he also says, creation is experiencing birth pangs. And this phrase is kind of more real now that I've seen childbirth. Like, you hear about it, you watch the movies, and it's kind of like, yeah, whatever. But then when you're like there, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of pain. But then like, as soon as Anastasia was like born, and they put her on my wife's chest, like, wow, it's so beautiful like all the pain that she'd experienced for the last eight or 10 hours or whatever it was, was like in the past. It wasn't, but maybe another week or two. And she's like, let's have another baby. And I'm like, don't you remember what was happening back there? Okay, That's what he's saying. He's saying creation is experiencing birth pains. Creation knows that this pain that it's experiencing is leading towards something else. So creation is pictured, though, in verse 18, as a child. Creation is seen yearning for the coming glory. If you've ever had kids and they're expecting that Christmas present or they're expecting that birthday present, it's like countdown for, like, months ahead of time. And that's what's pictured here. The the, the picture of the Word is actually, like, standing on your tippy toes. That's, like, the picture that the Word is giving us, like, eagerly awaiting stretching their necks to see it and he's saying that's what creation not people the actual creation the universe is doing looking for yearning for the day when god's glory will be revealed and creation will no longer be under the bondage that is it is under it's also interesting we suffer justly for our sin when i suffer what, whatever kind of suffering it is, whether it be because I sinned and because I sinned, I'm suffering, or if I'm suffering because I live in a fallen world that has evil things, bad things happen to me, it's ultimately because I sinned in Adam. We not, might not understand that, but when Adam sinned, you sinned. When Adam sinned, I sinned. And so we suffer justly. Creation was not in Adam, and yet creation suffers the consequences of sin. And ultimately, it's God who is the one who subjects creation to this. Look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. Creation didn't want this. But because of him, God, who subjected it, In hope, there is hope, and creation knows it and eagerly longs for the day when all the suffering, all the pain, the inability to produce what it should be able to produce. Tomatoes should be a lot bigger than they are. For real. Same thing with whatever vegetable you don't like. They're supposed to be bigger. Creation should produce better and more than it does. Creation is cursed right now. And it's yearning for, it's looking forward to the day when it will be restored and be the way it was supposed to be. The groaning then is the creation's earnest desire to fulfill Isaiah 11 verses 6 through 9. If you would turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 6 through 9. Isaiah 11 verse 6, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The wolf and the lamb dwelling together. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child's shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the vipers' den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the water cover the sea." That's what creation is yearning for, the day when you can set your little baby girl next to the snakes. but creation isn't the only thing that's groaning creation isn't the only thing that's part of this chorus looking forward to and longing for something different the believers groaning for future redemption as well believers are also involved in the groaning verse 23 not only that But we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Paul seems somewhat shocked by that, right? Read that again. Verse 23. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, He says, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the first fruits. He's the seal of our salvation. We know, we are guaranteed this will happen because we have the Holy Spirit. And he says, even though we have the seal, even though we know it will happen, we inwardly groan and await anxiously but patiently the time when God will reveal His full glory and our bodies will be redeemed. We should express our longing for the future plan of God. And it's, it's not that we express our groanings and we say, God's not in control. But we should be able to express and say, you know, I'm going through this suffering, whatever the suffering that you're going through. If you're not going through some suffering today, you probably just went through some yesterday or you're going to go through some tomorrow, okay? But as we go through that suffering, we should be able to use it to point to the coming glory that we are longing for, that we are waiting for. And so the believers are pictured as also being involved in, yearning for, and waiting for this coming day when God's glory will be fully revealed, And he says that at this day, the redemption of our bodies will happen. Not only is creation going to be restored, God's atonement doesn't just provide for the restoration of our bodies, it also provides for the restoration of creation. And so we look forward to that. We yearn for that day. But then he says that we're supposed to do all this. All this is not just so that we know it. We're supposed to be waiting. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're waiting patiently in hope. Verses 24 through 25. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance? Once again, he's using that same language. Just picture a person on their tippy toes, yearning, looking forward to, stretching their bodies out to try and see, to try and behold that future time. And yet we're doing it patiently, but eagerly, excited, because when it comes, all the suffering, all the trials of this life will be over. When you see the word hope here, don't think of hope like we use the word hope. We use the word hope kind of as a wishy-washy thing, like, I hope that my boss will understand why I'm late to work, or I hope this, or it's a firm confidence. It's knowledge that this for sure will take place. So we are called as believers to wait patiently anxiously, for the fulfillment of God's promises. William Cooper was a poet who was never married because uh, the lady that he wanted to marry's dad forbade that they would marry. Uh, Most of his family died, and he found himself in an asylum. And his doctor would commonly treat him, and as he treated him, he would read scriptures to him. And one day, while he was in the asylum, he read scripture and he came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He never was married, but he wrote these words that picture for us our attitude as we eagerly, anxiously await the coming day. He says, ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds ye so much dread, are big with mercy and shall break, and blessings on your head. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower." That is our attitude that we should approach waiting with. Yes, the, the pain of this life is very real, and it is very, very hard. Just this week, I've been experiencing pain in my knee. And I I realize it's nothing like the pain that you guys have been having, but I have a broken kneecap. And every once in a while, it'll act up and it hurts, okay? I can only imagine what it'll feel like in 50 years. But it's temporary. It doesn't last forever. God's glory will dim the pain of my knee And all the other pains that we have in this life when he comes. So as we think about what does this mean for how we live our lives? What does this mean for how I operate on the day to day? Don't lose sight of the eternal and the present suffering. It's easy to do. It's easy for us to see the pain of our broken kneecap or the pain of a family member that you love not living like they should and they're making horrible decisions, it's hard to go through treatments for illnesses. It's hard to go to work and have a job that you don't really like. But don't lose sight of God's eternal plan to reveal his full glory in your momentary pain. You can also be encouraged because God is in control. Creation is yearning for the day when God will glorify it once again with us. That's what they're waiting. That's what creation is waiting for. But why is creation in that place? Creation is in that place because it was subjected, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. The suffering and pain that me and you face is suffering and pain that God is in complete control of. He knew that you would go through that pain, but he has also made it so that you can live a life that honors and glorifies him even in the midst of your pain. And so me and you should seek to do that. We should seek to go through our pain and to realize God is in control. God has a plan for this pain. God has a plan for this suffering. But then finally, what verses 24 through 25 say is we're supposed to wait with eager patience. It's an interesting conundrum because normally when I'm eager for something, I'm not very patient, and normally when I'm patient to do something, I'm not very eager to do it. Right? And yet that's what we're instructed to do. Wait while you're going through the suffering with eager patience patience for God to reveal and to make all of this go away and to replace it with his splendor and glory. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the fact that we have confidence that you have more planned than what is here in this earthly life. We pray that you would Help us to realize that and to live a life that is different from the world because of the hope that we have in your future plan. In your name we pray.